Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, I spoke on some things that were really about recognizing the day we were in and navigating the time that we're in and the season we're in, just knowing how to be what season are we in? Where are we at? And there were five things to remember in that time. Uh, remember the days. I believe we're in the end times. Uh, remember not to <clears throat> read motives, judge motives, you know, read the heart, judge someone's motives, why they do what they do. Only the Lord can do that. And, and Janet brought that out today. Uh, remembering the gospel, the gospel story. We serve a risen Lord, and as Jesus is risen, we'll rise with him. Remember the brand. What's our brand statement? Anybody remember what it is? The it's love. It's agape. Remember this call to agape, the 1 Corinthians 13 call, this call to love, call to love others. And actually, the verses that Janet used today about uh, others uh, treating them, you know, kind of better than yourself uh, is, is really to that, um, to that understanding. And then finally, remembering uh, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uh, is not done. So... <clears throat> I want to kind of carry through, and we went from kind of remembering the season we're in to something of an offensive mindset. And that's what I want to speak about this week, an offensive mindset to the season. Not just surviving, but moving forward. And we've had these things on the news that just, it, it smacks us right in the face of the season that we're in. Uh, these things that are going all over uh, the news, the, the, the politics of the season, uh, uh, the race discussions that need to occur, all of these kinds of things that are going on, the, uh, not just in a Milwaukee or in America, but all over the world. There's, this season is amazing. So how do we have an offensive mindset in this season? What do we grab onto to have an offensive mindset in this season? Um, there was a quote, and I've joked about this quote. I, I think it's very funny. I actually stopped and I took a picture of this quote in a hospital. Um, St. Francis of Assisi, and I've shared this here, St. Francis of Assisi in this hospital, has, they had a big quote of, of his uh, in, in letters in, that stick out of the wall. Very, probably very expensive to do. So they spent a lot of money on this quote to make it look very nice. And these letters are sticking out, and at the bottom it says St. Francis of Assisi, right? So they're giving St. Francis full credit for this quote. And the, and the quote was, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Yeah. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. It comes from number six. So whoever put that quote in the wall didn't realize when St. Francis said that back, whenever he said that, that he was actually just quoting the Bible. They missed it. Yeah? yeah. So there's something else that I'm noticing in this day and age, and I'm thinking, well, that's kind of a sad miss. I, I tell you, and I've seen it now, it's in a number of places, uh, this quote. <clears throat> The, the, probably the best known place is in the National Civil Rights uh, Monument, Memorial. And there's a quote from Martin Luther King there. And it's, it's a powerful quote from a man that was passionate for civil rights. I mean, it was a, this was a big thing. So I'll, sh I'll share his quote in a minute. But it's in, not only is it on the civil rights on this wall, but it's on a number, at least a half a dozen other monuments across America, this quote from Martin Luther King's. From Martin Luther King, not King's. And I just think of this man. You know, Martin Luther King, when he said this quote, when he said it, I believe he was trying to preach Scripture. But somewhere along the line, when people heard it, they didn't recognize that it was Scripture because they sure gave the credit to the wrong guy. 
Dylan, let's look at it. Let's look at it in the verse, okay? Let's look at the Bible, and I'll point out the, the, por- the portion that Martin Luther King actually said. I hate, I despise your feasts. All right, now we've got a, I want to set a bit of a tone here. We are reading uh, from Amos, Amos who's prophesying, and Amos was a very normal man, and I just want to call that out. This normal man, he's got herds, he's got crops, you know, he, he's a working man, he uh, doesn't have any special education that we know of, there's nothing unique about him, he's a very typical person. And he gets up, and, and God says, Amos, I want you to go speak, and I want you to prophesy to my people. So, okay, yeah, he gets up, and he goes, and he prophesies, and he, among other things. And he's saying this to uh, Israel. And he's saying this to people in Israel who know who uh, uh, the Lord is. And they observe the feasts that the Lord commands. And they do other things that the Lord commands. And this is what the Lord's saying. I hate, I despise your feasts. Hey, people in Israel. I know you do this stuff that I command, but I hate it. I despise it. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. You bring these offerings to me, I don't want them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let And this is Martin Luther King's quote. This is where it starts. This is, I think this guy was saying an amazing quote for the day, and actually for, for all time. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Let justice roll down like waters. That's something, isn't it? And righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So what the Lord's saying to Israel... In this passage, you, could, you do all these things for him. You do all these things. But here's what I'm not seeing. Let your justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You know, this is something of an aside, but I really believe if our society had a better sense of this last verse that it came from God, God himself, and they understood how to walk out just his last line, we sure would know how to navigate the race challenges in America. I think we do. I really think we'd have a better sense of it. I think in the 60s, Martin Luther King was onto something. It's good Bible. There's a little bit of a challenge in this verse, though. And there's something I think that a lot of us, that we can gloss over. Uh, but I think it's important to call out, and it's our first offensive step. Let justice roll down like waters. If we stop the verse there, if we didn't have the second half of the verse... We wouldn't know how to define justice. What would justice be? Justice would be how we all would interpret justice. I interpret it this way, you interpret it this way. But the Lord attaches justice to righteousness. And he, we get this biblical sense through righteousness of how, what justice is supposed to be. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You know that righteousness is, an, is a type of an offensive mindset. You know, if we, if we want to be in right standing, we, you know, it's about thinking, what does that look like? If I'm in a right standing with God, what does that look like? All right, so I'll look at, I want to look at righteousness for just a minute. Go ahead, Dylan. Blessed are those in this great big epic chapter, Jesus says this. He's the, blessed are the... 
meek, blessed are the... And he, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In this big chapter, he makes a point, blessed are those who hunger for it, who aspire for it, who have set it, see the standard to go for it. Isn't that... That's an interesting way to think of righteousness, isn't it? As a standard. Who hunger and thirst for that standard to be right standing, for they shall be satisfied. And we read further on in the same chapter, further on, he, he goes on a bit more. For I tell you, unless your, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, there can be an entry level set of righteousness that a lot of people have. A lot of people might really know something about being in right standing with God, the rules or the things God would want them to do. But there's other things. There's things we have to go past just that simple mindset of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And we think, hey, that's cool. I can aspire for righteousness. I can set it as a standard and I can go for it. That's great. That's cool. I'm, I'm in, Jim. Thanks for the sermon. I'm going to go home and oh, all right, I'll be okay. There was a survey that was done just a few years ago, it was done by Barna, very credible survey organization. And uh, he said, <laughs> I, I thought this was very telling. So Barna does a survey on what it takes to be a modern day Pharisee. What it takes to be a modern day Pharisee. You got a bunch of us going to church, a bunch of us have services, we observe the Lord, but what does it take to be a modern day Pharisee? You know, and, and when I say Pharisee, I'm talking about how Jesus described them, how they looked religious on the outside, but their inside wasn't pretty. Their inside wasn't about the Lord. Their inside was about something that was about me, it was about attention, whatever, all these things. But the outside looked good. So how do we, how, what about a modern day religious looking person whose inside was shallow? And is that something that is a problem for us today here in America? So he does this survey, and here's what he finds. He finds that 51% of Native Americans, uh, sorry, North Americans, <laughs> Native Americans, North American uh, believers polled possess attitudes and actions that are more like Pharisees back then. 51% of believers were like Pharisees. More than half of believers were actually like Pharisees. They look good, but they're missing the internal punch. And he goes on a bit further. Not only was it 51% who looked like that, there were 14% of people, only 14% that had, and I'm going to quote here, that better resembled the attitudes and actions of Christ. 14% that didn't look fair, like a Pharisee at all. That means 80 6%. 86% of believers polled were believed to be either 100% just like a Pharisee or largely looking like a Pharisee. Don't you think that's an attention getter? When we think of righteousness, we can understand a baseline sense of righteousness, but if we're really going to pursue righteousness, I mean, that's a whole nother thing. Some of the attitudes that he found out, and I pulled this off a preacher uh, who did a great job just uh, capturing these attitudes in the Barna survey. Um, modern day Pharisees say things like, I follow the rules. See, they make it about rules. Or they say things like, you shouldn't hang around people like that. Well, 
want. We need to share faith and gospel with everybody. When we get this us and them mentality as believers, we got a big problem. You know, we say things like, well, you know, and I, Mary, how would you feel? I'm just going to demonstrate this way. Mary, how would you feel if Phil started hanging out with hookers? <laughs> yeah, I probably, Mark's going, be careful. I would say this. I would say we have to be very conscious to be in places to share the gospel. Now, when Jesus was here, he, he uh, shared the gospel, the message with a lot of people in a, a wide range of lifestyles. I'm not encouraging anybody here to go looking for hookers to share the gospel with. But I am saying that if we put a, if we put a line up and we say, oh, I can't hang out with that kind of person, <laughs> we're missing it. Now, we are not supposed to be influenced, but we are supposed to influence. We are supposed to share the gospel with all people. people sometimes believers live in this little bubble of safety. You know, God listens to my prayers is a statement that, that modern-day Pharisees say. The problem with that statement is, <clears throat> in my experience, when people say God listens to prayers, what they're really saying is, I go to God with my long list of requests. And they're missing that it's actually, that talk, that talk time to God is a relational thing. It's not a list of laundry, uh, you know, check the box kind of laundry needs. God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. Oh, great, okay, God listens to my prayer. Here I go. It's not what prayer is supposed to be for. Yes, we ask God, but that is not why we pray. We pray to develop a relationship, and as part of that, we ask God. Could you imagine just being with a friend? Just pick. You pick a spouse, you pick a friend. I don't care who you pick. If all you did was ever ask them for things, how much would they be your friend? Who says not much? They wouldn't be. Modern-day Pharisees say things like, oh, they just need to work harder. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes they just need compassion. Sometimes they just need help. Um, Modern-day Pharisees say things like, uh, more people need to stand up for Christian values. You know the problem with that statement, more people need to stand up for the Christian values, is there's, most people don't even know what Christian values are. People who don't know the Lord have no clue what a Christian value is. They're very confused. They only see the things on TV. You know, there's lots of studies that tell us non-believers think it's a Christian value to be Republican. So that holds them back from knowing the Lord if they're Democrats. They won't go to a church because they think they have to become Republican. There's lots of studies that say that. If you're Republican, outstanding. If you're a Democrat, outstanding. It should have nothing to do with how we demonstrate the, the love of the Lord. Modern-day Pharisees say things like, I'm simply more comfortable with people at church and people outside of church. Then I just want to encourage you to spend more time with people outside of church so you can understand and so you can relay the gospel better. If all we do is only church people, we got a big problem doing what God wants us to do. So... When Jesus goes through and he talks and he makes a statement, unless your, your righteousness exceeds that of Pharisees, he actually goes on and he gives us a demonstration of this. That's verse 20. It literally, in the next verse, he starts to amplify more of what it is to have a, a, a strong sense of righteousness. Go ahead, Dylan. Verse 21, the, literal, the next verse, he goes into a section and he says, do not kill. These are my words up there. Do not kill. 
But I love it. In quotes, he says, but I say to you. So the rule is don't kill. But I say to you. You can follow just the rule. But really, square away any issues your brother might have with you. So in other words, you know what leads you to kill, you shouldn't kill. But you need to be, to walk in that righteous sense, to grow your righteousness, you square away any issues your brother might have with you. You know, it's funny, it's not what you might have with your brother, it's what your brother might have with you. So I may say, I don't have any problems with so-and-so, but if I'm really walking in a righteous way, if I'm really trying to stretch my righteousness, I go to them if I think they have a problem with me, and I say, how can I address this? That's righteousness. But I say to you, this is the rule. But if you really want to go with that, this is what you need to focus on. The next set of verses, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, that's the rule. If you really want to walk in the righteous way, don't even look in somebody uh, with adultery or that mindset. The next one, uh, don't look for divorce. But I say to you, that's the rule. Don't look for it. But it, because if you really want to grow righteousness, you have to know that to divorce somebody could cause some, someone to fall into sexual immorality. The next, keep your oaths, keep your promises. But I say to you, yes, the rule is keep your promises. But I say to you, you should be walking so well with the things you say you never need to promise. Everything that we say is supposed to be accurate and true and credible and confidential and reliable and all those kinds of things. We should never be in a place where we have to say, well, I promise I will. The next section, do not get revenge. Don't get revenge. That's the rule. Do not get it. Don't go for it. Don't get somebody back. But I say to you, turn the other cheek. Look, you can do the rule, but really, if you're going to walk in righteousness, if we're going to do that, we actually have to get to the place where we turn the other cheek and we just don't even worry about it. <clears throat> and the final verse, love, agape. I want to pull out agape. That word love, and I share this, I think it's too ambiguous, you know, love. It's too, too vague. That 1 Corinthians 13 sense, that makes more sense to me. So agape your brother, but I say, so the rule is agape, love him. But I say, if you really want to develop your righteousness, love or agape your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. You know, you could, it's really easy to love the people we like. Right? Really easy. It is very challenging to agape somebody we don't like. And that's what he said. If you really want to grow your righteousness, that's what you do. You, 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 you work on who you don't care for. This righteousness mindset that we're supposed to have is a big deal. It's a standard for us. It's not something we just get when we're saved. We aspire. We grow it. We develop. It's part of this journey that we're on. And the, the Pharisees, they, they understood this to a degree. To a degree. You know, by the way, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing to be a Pharisee. It was just bad that they limited God. There were some Pharisees that were, that were wonderful examples to us. Joseph of Arimathea, who gave his tomb to Jesus when Jesus died. Paul was a Pharisee. Nicodemus was the guy who said, hey, how do you get saved? You know, how do you be born again? And Jesus said, well, this is how you're born again. You know, these guys really did have a good sense. They wanted more. They wanted more. I think those three examples of, uh, of Pharisees are ones that really understood pursuing righteousness. Our faith is credited to us as righteousness. 
This thing that we do as we grow and advance or walk, it's a big deal because we're really pursuing this, this righteousness as a standard. So even though our world is going crazy around us, one of the things we do, if we're to, with, we take this offensive mindset, we say, God, what character, what right standing ways do you want me to take on in my life? That will enable us to have all kinds of discussions about all kinds of topics, to know the, what the Lord wants and, and reflect who the Lord is. This righteousness is a big deal. There's something else. There's a second, there's a second point. I spoke to it a little bit last week, and I want to speak to it a little bit more this week. Um, I just think it's pretty big. I think we have to think about it in an offensive mindset, and particularly here at, at, at Grace. Go ahead. Paul says this, I remember your genuine faith. And he's talking to Timothy. It's the second Timothy, by the way. It's not first Timothy. We know in first Timothy, there's a lot of real fundamentals for Timothy. It's the first book Timothy hears, or first letter he gets, I should say. And there's a lot of fundamentals. In second Timothy, we see a different sense of relationship coming from Paul to Timothy. It's more mature. In fact, the second half of, Tim second half of Timothy is quite, got some very deep, principles in it. So 2 Timothy is more of a graduated understanding. And he said, I remember your genuine faith. For, your share, uh, for you, share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. You've got this great pedigree. You know, if you come here to Grace and you hang out with people and you join a, a, a impact group, a home group, and if you spend time to cultivate your ministry, you spend time praying with people, just getting to know and developing relationships, I will tell you, I think you have a good sense of congregational pedigree, just like Timothy. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands in you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power of love and self-discipline. Fan into flames the spiritual gift from, from when I laid hands on you. Fan into flames. You know that fan into flames is an activity. Did you ever, did you ever light a fire and you get a little, little spark and you blow on it? Has anybody ever done that? You try to get the fire going. I tell you, do you ever, do you ever suck in? Do you get a big breath and you suck in some spark <laughs> or smoke? But fanning into flames, you know, it's a lot like that. You get that little fire going, you get little sparks. Try to get it bigger. Try to get it to take hold. Um, that's what it's calling for. Make that focused effort. Come on, here we go. Here we go. We're going to really get this going. We're going to get it. A little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger. It's an intentional effort. You know, if we don't fan into flame, what happens with the flame? It just goes out. It just fades away. I mean, the fire may maintain for a while, but it's just kind of like, meh. Fires get smaller over time unless you currently, constantly feed them and you work them. They get smaller. They don't stay big. Is that true, Fireman Mark? You got to feed him. You got to work him. So he fan into flame. And what's he fanning into flame? The gift of the Holy Spirit. So we know at the end times, the Holy Spirit is bright, bright, bright. The darker the world gets, the brighter the Holy Spirit. It's almost like the world says, game on. And the Holy Spirit's going, oh yeah, I'll take you on. And we know as, as people get all over the world, as they turn from God, we also know that people are turning to God. Salvations are occurring 
exponentially as the, as the craziness grows here and it seems like they're walking from God, there's other people who are turning to God because they see hope. It's this weird kind of dichotomy. So as nuts as it gets in the world, it gets brighter out there. And we, our job is an offensive mindset to fan into flame the gift of the Spirit and to make it go. Because we're on this side of things and he wants to use us for things of the Holy Spirit. He wants to use us for that. This is an offensive mindset. If we just sit back and we think, oh, God, thanks, okay, I'll just, you know, need some help at work, need help with my kids, you know, thanks so much, God. And then we go to church on Sunday, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I'll do it through a mask, it's going to be okay. We're missing the Holy Spirit peace. The fan into flame, how do we grow it? How do we use this stuff, the Holy Spirit stuff? How do we do it? How do we seek the Lord with the gift of the Spirit in us for the sake of his testimony in a dark, dark, dark world? How do we do that? Go ahead, Dylan. The Holy Spirit does all kinds of stuff. Teaches our minds, convicts us of sin, source of revelation. But the key for us is this. We fan it to flame the gift of the Spirit. I bet you if we would take a poll, if we would all take little notepads, remember how they used to do that in the mall? Sometimes you go to a mall and people stand with clipboards. Excuse me, can I ask you a few questions? Anybody remember that? I used to be one of those people with the clipboards. It was a horrible job. I worked at Northridge Mall. Yeah, that kind of dates it. But I would stand with my clipboard and say, excuse me, you have time for questions? What do you think they said? <laughs> Nope, nope, nope. I'd rather roll around and crush glass. <laughs> anyway, if we could take our, if we could take our a pad of paper and we could cruise through the city, it would be really interesting to see what people are fanning into flame, what believers are fanning into flame. A lot of people would fan into flame what? Where is their fanning into flame? Are they fanning into flame a prayer life? Are they fanning into flame a pursuit for righteousness? Are they fanning into flame sharing the gospel? Are they fanning into flame the gifts of the Spirit? You know, the, the spiritual gift that we have within us? What are they fanning into flame? We know one thing we have to fan into flame. It has to be the gift of the Spirit which we received. It's a laying on of hands. Yep. We have to do it. And I think in the last days, it is an offensive mindset that's necessary, not a defensive mindset. It used to be our society it was very easy to be a believer. We just pick some church to go to and we'd go there and society understood that. Nowadays, we have to really know what our mission from the Lord is and what our mission to serve Him is. And we have to take it on in an offensive way. So first and foremost, we pursue the standards of God. We make them our standards. We just don't let the, the world define our standards. The God standards become our standards. They may not understand them, but we understand them. God's standards become our standards. And then secondly, we pursue the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, what He's got for us, and we make it go, 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 go. We don't take it lightly. Yeah? This is last day's stuff now. Sometimes it's kind of funny. I, and I, yeah, I recognize all your faces, so I'm just going to have fun here for, I'm just going to kind of an aside. A lot of times people will define navigating the last days by how much they know about the last days. And they'll be quite scholarly on last day's topics. 
So, yeah, I've got to get ready for the end times. Yeah, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read. And they become very, very knowledgeable. I think to navigate the last days, I personally believe it's not just about how much we know, it's about what we do. Because the devil knows a lot. He is very, very well educated to the last days. But he's not going to do what we do. If we want to make the last days, we have to do something different. We can't just know stuff, we've got to do stuff. Yeah? All right. Please stand up. We'll just pray. We're going to pray for this deepening in our congregation. And Lord, that's it. We do. We pray for a deepening in our congregational family. We pray for a deepening sense of the standards that you would have us live by. Not that we, we don't want to be known for following rules, Lord. We want to be known for being in deep relationship with you. Hard after you. There's peace in knowing you. There's guidance in knowing you. We want to be known for these things. We want to be able to share them. We want to reflect goodness and mercy. So we seek you for that. We also seek you for uh, the Holy Spirit um, uh, nurturing and what the next steps that we take here as a congregation. What you would have us do. How do we do this? How do we grow in this stuff? Not just as a congregation, but I know individuals have questions, Lord. People want to know what, what they're take is, what they do, how, how they grow. So help us, Lord. Help us take these next steps. God, I'm excited about what you would have for us here at Grace. I'm excited about the work before us in Milwaukee, the deepening of relationship with you. I'm excited about the good things that you bring in our life. So we pray for peace. We pray for these things. I thank you for the chance to be here and worship together, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the words of St. Francis of Sisi. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. So have peace. Care for each other. We don't have to rush out. It's just nice to be together, yeah? yeah. And pretty soon we're going to have coffee. Even with the mask, we're going to have coffee. You should know that. We've been talking about this. We're going to put lids in the back, and uh, we're going to do it in a controlled environment, and then people can grab a cup. But for now, no coffee, just fellowship. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.